Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. Hey. Hi. <laughs> it's been kind of a hard week. It's been a hard couple weeks, but this last week, yeah. Listen folks, there's a lot going on in the world, and it's not great, at least in the US. And Spain. And Spain. It's bad. Um, we are not a political podcast in that this isn't our forte. We're not going to sit here and take the whole hour to discuss this. Um, Although we have opinions about it. Oh, hardcore. And let me just say, the basis of my opinion right now is Nazis are bad. Yeah, I think I've had that opinion my whole life. What yeah. the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? That said... We wanted to acknowledge it because it's huge, but we also know that we need to keep ourselves sane when the world is going crazy. And also because we're not a political podcast, we want to be a place of refuge for people to come and just listen to weird stuff. So we didn't want to brush over it, but we also aren't going to focus on that. What we're going to do is try to provide an experience for you that is outside of news. So please, we hope you enjoy what we're going to do this week. I'm very excited for it, April. Yeah, we're actually doing something totally different this week. So for the past few years, one of our local NPR stations does this contest. It's a radio race, basically. And we've decided to partake in the race. So what that means is... We are going to be given a theme, and we're waiting to find out what our theme is. And then we have 24 hours to create a four-minute or less radio piece that would then be aired on the show Unfictional, if it wins. If it wins, or gets, I think, top three. There are different ways. Yeah. I'm not really doing this to win, to be honest. I just no. wanted to try it and do something fun. And I like the challenge, and I like to find a way to get my brain in, invested in a puzzle and see if we can do it. So I think this is exciting and I'm not in it to win it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we thought we'd uh, kind of give the behind the scenes of what we're doing in this race for this episode. Right now, we're just waiting to find out what the theme is. We're supposed to be emailed at uh, 10 a.m. And then you'll come along with us to discover and figure out what the heck we're going to do. You're coming on our journey. You're making a four-minute radio spot with us in 24 hours, and then however long it takes to make this. <laughs> exactly. We're anxiously waiting to find out what our theme is going to be. Okay, we're just about to get the email. We're waiting. Refresh, refresh. Okay, here it is. Okay, and there's a link. And it's linking to a YouTube page. Okay, so I guess we have to play this video to find out what the theme is. All right, let's okay. do it. Are you ready? I'm Bob Carlson of KCRW's Unfictional, and this is the day when we introduce the theme of this year's 24-hour radio race. By now, you should have assembled your team, or maybe you're going to go it alone. That's fine. But either way, for the next 24 hours, you're going to be empathy sponges, tuned into the life stories of your fellow human beings. Don't censor yourself. There are no bad ideas. Follow your heart and your good taste. Let your mistakes <laughs> guide you in all new directions. But most importantly, get outside. Record out in the world where life is happening. But don't record next to a fountain. Okay, here's the theme. It's down for whatever. All right, ready, set. 
down with whatever. Yeah, down with whatever. Okay, meaning meaning we're down with whatever. I guess. Well, we can interpret it in any way. It could be like the slang way, or it could be a literal something about being down, going yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, brainstorm for a minute. Let's, okay. Yeah, let's think about this. Is there an underground in LA? Well, I'm sure there's a bunch of different kinds of undergrounds. I'm just wondering, like, literal underground, I was thinking. Oh, under the ground. When I lived under Seattle, there's underground. Uh, Yeah, there is. There are underground tunnels under UCLA. Really? Yes. So we could do something like that. We could get into the um, subway channels. Right. Yeah, there is getting on the subways, all all the underground parts of the subways in L.A. Downtown has a bunch of underground stuff. Or we could get out of LA and go to a local mining town. Oh, well, there's Boron. I've t- I, d- I actually did a piece a few years ago about Boron and uh, the mining Boron? town. So Boron is uh, a town in the Mojave Desert. I think it's just a couple hours from here. Um, and they mine borax, which was used like as a cleaning product. It's used for other things as Not well. Not Borat, the... Not Borat. They they mined Borat. There's a lot of Borats there. But they were going to shut that mine down eventually because it's running out of Borax. And it's creating a huge problem, actually, for the industry there. Because most of the people that live there work there. So I was there to cover a strike, Okay. Actually. So that'd be a Huell-Housery type thing. Mm-hmm. That would be a Huell-Housery type thing. Um, down with whatever. Down with, I don't know, whatever. I don't know that I like this theme. We'll make it something we like. No, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I do kind of like doing something in the subways, even maybe interviewing some of the people that live down there. Oh. The idea that they are often looked at as whatever. That's true, yeah. Are we going to find people down there? I don't know. Like, how far down do they live? I know they live in New York. Do they live here, too? Do we have mole people in L.A.? It's so sunny. Why would you go mole? Yeah, I don't know that we have mole people. Is that offensive term, mole people? Not to mole people. Oh, it's um, they coined it themselves, so it's okay? Yeah, exactly. Okay, then I'm down with that, because I love the term. <laughs> or, or, there's also, what about like cave hiking or something? I would love spelunking. Spelunking, yeah. I'd love to talk to some spelunkers. Maybe they can finally get my brain to hold on to which one's a stalagmite and a stalactite. One's up, one's down. Well, I know that. okay okay listen to this oh la's hidden caves oh let's go spelunking okay so are we good with the spelunking idea or do we want to keep researching it a little more i like it a lot actually yeah me too okay okay here we maybe go okay the lava tube in moave national preserve Ooh, fun i think we might have to do it even if it's a couple of more hours i'm okay with that i mean it would be such a fun saturday it sounds really fucking cool. All right, so I think we have our topic, right? We have our topic. I think we're going to do spelunking, and I think we're going to go out to the Mojave Desert to yeah. visit this lava cave. Yeah, we had a two-and-a-half-hour limit, but this looks like so much fun. So I think yeah. that three hours and 40 minutes for a drive out, that's fine. Day trip in the desert. Yeah, you know, why not? What else do we have to do? I don't know. I mean, I have nothing else. All right, let's do it. Okay. One. Hey Gallagher, it's April. And Rachel. We were wondering if you were up for an adventure today. We uh, have entered KCRW's 24-hour radio race, and the theme is down with whatever, so we kind of thought we wanted to go... Spelunking. 
And there's an awesome lava tube cave in uh, the Moave Desert about three and a half hours away. And we thought we would go there and uh, talk about it (laughs) for this uh, radio piece. And we wondered if maybe you wanted to join us. So please give us a call back. We'd love to have you come out there. Super fun day trip to the... To the Moave. To the desert and then go dig ourselves into a hole. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. We called the Mojave National Preserve's Visitor Center to find out more information. Hi. Hi. We've entered a a radio race for KCRW, which is a radio station in Los Angeles. And uh, their theme is uh, called Down With Whatever. So we thought that we'd do something along the lines of spelunking. And we were interested in knowing about the uh, lava tube. Okay, did you say spelunking? It's not really a cave, it's just a, it's a lava tube is what it is. So you need a high clearance or four-wheel drive vehicle to get out there. Oh, really? Okay, the website says that a normal car is probably fine. No, you can't say that because we have a lot of problems out there with that sort of thinking. Yeah, people get okay. stuck really. There's no cell service if any of that happens, so you're looking at walking back and probably hitching a ride to Baker. Okay, understandable. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, bye. bye. Okay, so we've had a change of plan here because uh, in order to get out to the lava tunnel in the Mojave Desert, it turns out you got to have a pretty heavy-duty SUV, which uh, we don't have. So we've changed course, and we're going to go check out some underground tunnels below L.A., All right, guys. So this was a fun experiment. (laughs) So you may have noticed, and maybe you didn't, I don't know. But for some reason, we heard down with whatever. And I do remember thinking, well, that's weird phrasing. I always heard it as down for whatever. I mean, tomato, tomato. And it was really crazy to put together. A lot of moving parts to it. What we've done is last night we posted our entry into the KCRW radio race. And now we're going to play for you our ideal entry. If we would have had a little bit more time and a few more hours of sleep, this is what we would have shown them. Yeah, Rachel, can you imagine if we would have had more time, more sleep, and a few more minutes that we could add to this story? Uh, We would have crushed it. Yeah, I think (laughs) this is what we would have turned in. People are getting lost down there, and they'll call 911, and they'll be lost in there for hours. We've always been fascinated by what lies beneath the surface of a city, especially when it's steeped in mystery. We had heard these rumors about abandoned subway tunnels underneath downtown LA. So of course we had to see these tunnels for ourselves. We headed to the Hall of Records building to see if we could find a way in. But first we picked up our friend Gallagher, who's notoriously down for whatever. Hey there. All right, let's go. When we got downtown, we saw a security guard and asked him for help. Hi, can we ask you a quick question? Sure. Can you tell me your name? Okay, Martinez. I know that there's underground tunnels under the yes. Hall of Records building. Yeah, there is. How do you get to them? Have you been there? As far as that goes, you would have to go into the parking lot. We cannot actually let you in. There's been reports that uh, people are getting lost down there, so we cannot let you in. All right. Okay, thank you so much. We decided to let ourselves in. 
Just to set the scene, the Hall of Records looks like a normal building from the outside. No one would ever guess what we were about to find. Okay, we have reached the parking lot. And Gallagher, what do we need to do? So we're going to go and find an easy-to-miss elevator. Okay, let's look for it. So we pushed our way through these double doors, and then it was like we entered a George Romero zombie movie set. The walls were hole-punched and rotted. There was no sign of life. Why don't they have security guards in here? Why aren't people living here? There was graffiti everywhere, though. Old signage pointed the way to microfiche and archives. The fluorescent lights were still on. The air conditioner was humming and pipes were clanking. And then we pushed the elevator button and it still worked. So we took the elevator down to the second floor, not at all sure what we were getting into. We did see a sign that said no trespassing. We ignored it. These tunnels are what? They were originally a subway system before Los Angeles became the city it is. And then they were abandoned and used during prohibition time to run alcohol through. Woohoo! Okay, the tunnels themselves are really strange. It has this feeling that lies somewhere between sanitized neglect. There were also rows of parked golf carts. Keys were in them, looked like someone could jump in and take off on them at any moment. Okay, I don't know what that was, but... We wandered around that underground labyrinth for a while, accompanied by a constant soundtrack of creepy noises. It was easy to see how someone could get lost down there. We took many wrong turns. Okay, well now where are we? And then, we actually did see someone. We rounded a corner and ran smack into a middle-aged guy wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Hi. We weren't sure if he was a cop or a serial killer. Turned out he was a maintenance worker. I asked if we could interview him, but he wouldn't let us get him on tape. He gently told us the way to the exit, and then he suggested we go check out a nearby bar, one that's been open since the 30s and was one of the bars that the booze was smuggled to back then. All right, so we're at King Eddie Saloon. Devlin is the bartender here. What is the history of this place? This existed as a speakeasy before legal alcohol sales, right? So during Prohibition, where we're sitting now, it was a piano shop, and underneath here was a speakeasy. Um, There's a little sliding window where people would knock and give a password. There was also a tunnel that led from City Hall where the mayor and his cronies would come and drink during Prohibition. I always try to tell people that there's a ghost down there. If they see a little boy walking backwards toward them, get upstairs immediately. But I've never actually seen that kid. I just like messing with people's heads. (laughs) As we sipped our cold beers, Gallagher had something he wanted to know. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been down with whatever and it's turned bad? Yeah, I once went skinny dipping after work on a boat trip and then the boat got in a crash so I broke my neck and my back. It was the only time I went skinny dipping and I totally broke my neck. (laughs) Well you'll never do that again. Life has been a lot less exciting. (laughs) I'm cool now, I'm good. It's been long enough. I've I've learned how to that tragedy in time and comedy and whatnot. (laughs) How about you? Honestly no, not that I can think of. All those 
times have just been like surprises and turn out for the better. Well, I'll say one that could have gone wrong. This was in high school, and I was with a bunch of girlfriends. We were all smashed in my friend's Volkswagen. There were probably about six of us. And, uh, you know, we were too young to buy beer, but we all drank beer at that time. So we went up to the 7-Eleven to solicit, and uh, we convinced this couple who were probably in their early 20s and we convinced them to buy us beer and they said sure if you give us a ride so we said yeah no problem we'll squeeze them in the car somehow so they bought us the beer and brought it back to the car and then they said hold on just a second and they went into the Craig and Auto Parts next door and uh, we saw them in there um, holding it up and then came running out and jumped in the car and were like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. They didn't hold it up with a gun. They held it up like with their hand in a sweatshirt. And we were the most ridiculous getaway car because she had an old Volkswagen that couldn't drive fast. So it made absolutely no sense. And they get in the car and we're like, well, what just happened? And they said, oh, we just held up the Craig and Auto Parts. Well, how much did you get? $20. They got $20. We took them to where they needed to go and dropped them off. That could have gone so wrong on so many levels. Well, luckily, nothing went wrong today. It was a perfect adventure. We finished our beers. Very, very happy that Prohibition was no longer the law of the land. And even happier that we didn't have to walk home through some creepy tunnels. Gallagher, thank you for being down with whatever. Cool, thanks for inviting me. It was awesome. Bye. This piece was produced by April Lunston and Rachel Peacock as part of the 24-hour radio race from KCRW's Independent Producer Project. So we wanted to interview someone for this piece who knows all about the underground tunnels. And actually, on the day of the race, we found a tour guide, Cindy Schwartzstein, who runs Cartwheel Art Tours. And what they do is they give tours all over LA about different things. And so one of the tours she does is the underground subway tours. So we thought it would be great to talk to her. We actually did reach her. She was going to be interviewed for our radio race piece, but she couldn't talk to us until 11pm because she was doing an event. It just didn't end up working out. So Rachel actually got her for this episode. So we can put all the stuff we learned and saw in context. So here she is. I'm Cindy Schwartzstein, and I'm the founder of Cartwheel Art Magazine and Tours, and I design and lead private and public custom immersive neighborhood tours. They occur in downtown LA, including in the Arts District, where I'm based, and we also do other hidden and unique communities of LA. I collaborate with 40 hosts, so we have like historians, artists, makers, musicians, and all kinds of passionate insiders that work with me to design behind-the-scenes perspectives. There's explorations that are in neighborhoods ranging from Venice, Hollywood, Los 
Vélez, historic Filipino town, South Central, Hancock Park, and of course, all of the different areas of downtown LA. We've got different itineraries that go throughout the different neighborhoods. I also have partnerships with Atlas Obscura. That's been really fun for the last three years. I've been curating tours for them, and in fact, have two coming up with them. One with an artist named Shrine, and another one in Venice that's this Sunday that's going to be talking all about the old Dogtown days and punk surf skate culture. And then I also um, partnered with Women Who Whiskey. And that one's going to be an exciting one because that's in downtown L.A. and that's going to touch in on the underground L.A. theme and prohibition and that. The tunnels were built in 1910 and they span over 70 miles. And there was like a subterranean tunnel system that was built for the red car trains that were going into downtown L.A. Basically, that was the method of transportation used by Angelinos to travel around the city. So additionally, they used it for like goods and raw materials along with imported liquor, you know, transporting that from Port of L.A. to the Civic Center and then distributing them, you know, from there. So that's one component. There was also a Hollywood subway that would pick up and drop off passengers along several of the underground tracks. And the Hollywood subway actually opened after Prohibition had already taken hold. Many of those, like, entrances, though, of those tunnels, you know, have been blocked off or the access ramps have been demolished, but there's still old tunnels down there. You know, some of them with no tracks. In the subway terminal building, there is, like, a control tower and some old signage still. The tunnels that allowed trains to travel briefly underground, there were about a mile and a quarter of those, and they emerged through the Belmont Tunnel, which is where 1st and 2nd Street and Glendale Boulevard, uh, they all converged there. From that old Belmont Tunnel, it would head up Silver Lake and across the L.A. River into Glendale. There's also sliding wooden doors still of historic subterranean port stables, and there's a lot going on down there. Yeah, wow, 70 miles, that's insane. What year were these tunnels built? How long were they running before Prohibition? So they were built in 1910, and basically they were used, but then when Prohibition came around, that was really exciting because that period of time was actually the most developed. That was like the fastest growing time in our city. So we were attracting people from all over the place. It was like the wild, wild west at that time. During Prohibition, it ended up being that a lot of crooked cops and politicians ran the underground organized crime rackets through some of those tunnels and even out of the Hall of Justice. And a lot of the businesses up on ground were actually covers for what was happening underground. There was actually an organized crime racket that they dubbed the system that was literally underground within a vast network of those subterranean caverns and tunnels. What were some of the things they were doing? Was it mostly running booze? Was there like smuggling of money? What do we know about that? There was a lot going on down there. So rumor has it that banks used LA's tunnels to move large sums of cash. That occurred especially during tax season when property owners paid their taxes in cash. There's even a report that there was cash that would pile up at one local official's office to the tune of $1 billion. So yes, that whole you know racket was going on down there. 
but yeah, we don't really know except that the tunnels were used for getting people in and out to a lot of the speakeasies, you know, that were developed during that period of prohibition as well. So you mentioned speakeasies. Can you just list a couple of the more famous speakeasy areas and anything that is accessible? There were a lot that were in the Nickel area. And I mean, they say that there were there was basically over 700 places during Prohibition that you could actually purchase alcohol. But as far as the actual speakeasies, you know, they're not accessible to the public. So there's not any original speakeasies available publicly. So what is King Eddie? What relation does this have to the tunnels? King Eddie was the most notorious of all of the saloons before Prohibition, and it's really the last of its kind in the area that still is what it was back then. Although during Prohibition, what occurred is that it actually became a piano store, and then the speakeasy moved downstairs into a basement. When you're taking these tours, is there anything that still blows your mind? So much, yeah, absolutely. Basically, from an art component, the murals that's in one of the old speakeasies is just fascinating to me, especially because it's rumored to show the way to an underground bar that was located directly under the intersection of 5th and Main. And then there's the murals are also supposed to show you some of the other tunnels that were used for smuggling the alcohol that so would guide people. It would be a navigation. And that, to me, is fascinating. And, you know, I don't know how you decode that. I don't know of anyone that's actually decoded that. But when I look at those murals, that's probably the most amazing aspect of seeing those painted murals still there. And in another old speakeasy that we go into, it's in remarkably good condition. Like, it's almost, I call it a time capsule. It's got the original 30-foot-long wooden bar. It has a decorative wooden liquor cabinet, which still has the lettering of the maker on it, and a counter that was used as a hat check. And they're all in still really good condition and when you're in there you just definitely like to think about that gangster element you know we'll turn on a little music and we'll kind of play with it for a moment while we're down there because it's like wow we're tracing the steps of all these power players you know these gangsters these movie stars the real life LA noir legends Charlie Chaplin, Claire Bow, Charles Bukowski, Bugsy Segal, The Black Dahlia. You know, I think about John Fonte's 1939 noir novel, Ask the Dust. Thinking about those players and all of those people and what was happening down there and, you know, all the puppeteering that was going on by those organized criminals that, you know, hid in the shadows of the underground. That's pretty exciting. There's definitely stories in the different private locations that we go into, stories from the guards and from different people that work there. They've told us definitely paranormal stories of what has occurred down there. I mean, like, you know, when we take photos down there, you know, people are like, oh, my God, look at these orbs. Oh, look at this. You know, and there's people that definitely have felt spooked out. But I personally just experienced, like, a feeling of, ooh, wow, am I supposed to be here? What is this? Maybe it's just that I've been going down there so much recently and they realize my intentions that I'm just there, you know, honoring what was there historically and not trying to do anything to affect 
any ghosts or spirits that might still be down there. I don't know. Maybe I have a relationship with them, but they haven't affected me, and I don't see anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, we wanted to know ghost stories and lore and stuff. It's really cool to know that it's there. Everyone loves a ghost story. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, we had a question specifically about the entrance where we went in. It looked to me like a first-person zombie shooter video game. Like, it's completely abandoned. And yet, all the lights are on. Everything's working. So, I presume that the main building is still being used. Do you know anything about how it fell into such disrepair down there and why it's so spooky? It's still being used by city workers. They'll still go through those tunnels. They're still being used in that sense. From what I understand, there's still the criminals that, you know, at times are transported through there so it's still being used it's just that like you said it's that kooky strange feeling down there like wow they're they're being used but they're not being used they're in disrepair but are they being like there's just a really strange feeling still but yes they are still being actively used that's also great. Thank you. If anybody is in L.A. or finds themselves in Los Angeles and they want to take a tour or book a private experience with you, how can they get a hold of you or how can they set one up? Yeah, they can go to cartwheelart.com. We have a calendar of a public tours that is on our website. So if they go to cartwheelart.com and hit the navigation for tours, they'll see that there's two sections. There's one book a custom tour or join a tour and join a tour. Rachel, she was so awesome. I so wish we could have used her for the piece. I feel like we should be working with her in the future anytime we want to find out anything in L.A. Again, I don't know what it is about this podcast, but I feel like we find magical people to talk to. Absolutely. And she's incredibly magical. (laughs) I can't wait to go on every one of her tours and find out more. It's pretty great. And she works with Atlas Obscura, who we love. We mine their site all the time for weird and kooky stories. Oh, I subscribe to them. I subscribe to their daily Google alerts so I can find out what they have going on. That's awesome. Oh, also, I found out some more information about the building because I drive by there every day. I know you didn't think the whole building was abandoned, but for some reason, I did think the whole building was abandoned. Which is hilarious. (laughs) I thought, all those floors, what are they doing? They all look like this? It was crazy. So actually, I drive by that building every day on my way to work, and I saw people in there. There's regular offices. (laughs) They actually are doing something. It actually is like a Hall of Records building. It's just that those bottom three floors are abandoned and then lead to the tunnels. But I found out something super interesting, which is that that building was built by Richard Neutra, who's a famous L.A. architect who built a lot of modernist uh, homes and buildings around L.A. And what was really interesting about this building at the time when he built it, it was super innovative and people absolutely loved it. And there's louvers along the outside that would move at different times of day, depending on the light and the shadows. So it would help, you know, um, I guess, create some kind of insulation, cooling, lighting That's issues. rad. But that doesn't work anymore. I wonder how he would feel about the bottom three levels looking like a George Romero scene. 
oh, I think he'd love it. No, I don't. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea if Neutra was into zombies or not. I'm loving the fact that you thought the whole entire building was empty because I thought it was creepy enough just with those floors being deserted. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought, how is it possible that there's no one here? We see the one guy wandering around, which was spooky. There were sheriffs trucks parked out and back yeah it seemed like there should be cameras on us everywhere it seems like we would have run into a ton more people and also it looked like it had been abandoned in the 70s is what it looked like to oh me. yeah no those are full of neglect those floors so i mean i get where it came from i'm just experiencing <laughs> this all over again from the idea that an entire wet 20-story building is abandoned <laughs> well that's why i was like why aren't people living down here i mean why aren't they using this for some kind of public housing like also i was so fascinated by the fact that they drive prisoners through those tunnels we really could have seen a serial killer yeah it's true and i was worried about lizard people <laughs> well, uh, when we were doing research for this, do you remember that we found there was a guy in the 10s or 20s who was digging to find the lizard people? Some of the local Native Americans had told him that one of their legends say that lizard people lived beneath the city. So he started digging to find them and they gave him a map. They were totally ribbing him. But oh, uh, that's anyway, so great. Good story, right? I mean, if he knew anything, he knew that they were in South Dakota and Antarctica. Yeah, he should get there. Why didn't he? He should have just been. Well, maybe he was digging to Antarctica. Maybe he maybe was that digging was the to plan. Oh, did you know that there are South Dakota lizard people that were supposed to come out during the eclipse? If any of our listeners happen to capture a picture of a lizard person instead of the eclipse, go ahead and send it to us. <laughs> I'll take eclipse pictures, too. I love the eclipse pictures. Pisters. I lo- I that's love- my favorite band. I love Eclipse the Pisters. <laughs> the Eclipse Pisters are totally my fave. And my stupid brain went to Eclipse Pisters. Oh, ow. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think do that's love a kind of German porn. <laughs> it's kind of all of German porn. Uh, I do love Eclipse Pictures. <laughs> Good. Glad you finally got that out. <laughs> It's cool, dudes. It's cool. We're professionals here. Don't try this at home. Come on, we're soups profesh. You know that by now. Anyways, this is so much fun. And I kind of want to go to the Dogtown one she was talking about on Sunday. If anybody in Los Angeles area or Southern California is able to, I'd suggest going to her tour in Venice Beach. I mean, yeah, of Dogtown. Amazing. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Maybe we should take that tour at some point and do an episode on it. I think it would be really fun. I wonder if they're going to do it again or not. But she, she also does custom tours, so maybe she can do a custom one for us, which would be amazing. So I was thinking maybe we could put together a RUFSM custom tour and see if we can get some local followers hey, that's to a great join idea. us on I like the tour. It. All right. That sounds really good. I like it. <laughs> It'd be fun, right? Yeah. There, I have some ideas. All right. That sounds really good. So stay tuned, folks. Maybe we'll put that together. An RUFSM tour. Yes, absolutely. Good idea. Rachel's full of good ideas all the time. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for coming along on this experiment we had this time around. Yeah, it was really fun. I definitely want to do this uh, contest next year. Yeah, it was an adventure. It was definitely an adventure and a really good experience. And, you know, I'm glad that we went into it with not caring if we win or lose, because I think that makes it more fun. Mm -hmm. And I also came away with a lot of ideas for how we could do it next year, which I think will be great. I have no idea how to make it any faster, because (laughs) editing is just hard when you're you know, when you've been running all day and have no sleep, but it also makes it kind of exhilarating. And shout out to April for being up into 
the wee hours working on a program that kept crashing. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Hindenburg, by the way, why did you name it that? Yeah, why? it's the most appropriately named and also the worst named program ever. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that everyone should know is that at 10 p.m. we were given this crazy additional challenge mm-hmm. that we were supposed to add into the piece if we could. We didn't have to, but it would give us extra points. And it was just a, a video clip of <laughs> David Bowie's video, Five Years. Yeah, since this is the fifth year of them doing it, I figure. Probably, yeah. Uh-huh. We didn't really know how to fit that in, so we just used the word labyrinth in our piece. <laughs> Which we were going to use anyways. <laughs> but it made it a little more, you know. Okay, everyone. Uh, until next week, uh, I'm April. And I'm Rachel. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>